Hello and welcome to Conduits. My name is Justin Maxwell. Here is our first episode broken into two parts with my dear friend, Sonny Rugg. Please enjoy. It's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. But the racing thoughts also are a big clue, too. And, like, the grandiose thinking, it's all, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's all there. But I think talking openly about my bipolar, mm-hmm. I think openly talking about my recovery, those are critical components yeah. of... 100%. Uh, of this. Like, I... That's These all are of- things that people would try to call out as a weakness but that you're actually utilizing as a strength and as part of your story and part of like what could be potentially the model for other people. Exactly. And that's what I hope because you, you, you you can't be hurt if you like, you, you know, you just have no worries about shoes, a shoe dropping or like something over your shoulder. If you don't have anything to hide. Exactly. And exactly. it, it, it's that shame component we were talking about the other day. If it, you're not ashamed, then people can't make you feel any type of way about anything. Right, right. And if you are operating from a more secure foundation and you're not hiding anything, because there can be shameless people who are very insecure and have a lot to hide. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, and so we can just learn so much, I think, from the from their playbook. So like, this is why I think the answers are, are so obvious. Like we, we can be shameless and that will be good. We can speak with conviction about the truth. Like I, I, I think the people on, on the side of the status quo currently speak with such conviction, but it's like of a different reality. You know, like stating an unvarnished truth about like the world as it is, I think is very powerful. Not hedging language. You know, I think we talked about this. Don't seed ground or don't walk on eggshells around things that have historically triggered white people. You know, I think there was, yeah, please. Something that I've really come to embrace I think especially as I like dive deeper into social work is that there are multiple realities. Like I don't even believe that there is a singular truth anymore. You know how they have that expression. Like there are three versions of the truth, your truth, my truth, and the truth. I don't know what the truth is because anybody describing any sort of thing is going to be biased based on their perspective. And so I think we live in a world where however many people there are, there are that many different realities. And when you talk about people speaking about the world with a certain conviction that this is their reality, I want to caution against like suggesting that that reality is wrong. But I think where it becomes really harmful is when those people don't acknowledge other people's realities as well. Mm -hmm. So two things with that. I'm curious if you think the that's similar to the if a tree falls and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? 
like if if a truth can't be seen by yeah yeah I, I get what you're saying I hate that that what would you call that puzzle that that statement I hate it because too because I always I hate it like too. science and it's like sound makes waves like you can't deny right right that that's the vibration what I, like, is created and then I was like well there is obviously going to be <laughs> things around too like Correct. like that yeah. aren't humans like like why do we we're so egocentric right. that um <laughs> that we think that sound doesn't exist outside of our earshot. Right, like, right. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> but I think like the thought, the sentiment <clears throat> behind that statement is kind of like what I'm saying, because I think there are objective things that happen, such as a tree falling in the woods. But for the most part, a lot of the truth we talk about deals with humans interacting with each other. And that's so much more complex than objectivity. Right. Do you, so my thing with this, cause I thought about this a lot too, is that if you zoom out, everything that is happening on earth is happening, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So is that a truth? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of look at things differently. Like truth and fact can be kind of like, okay simultaneously you got know it, I mean? so, got I, so it. I think that there are facts right got and it the thing is it's really hard so so I was talking to um back when I was uh working as a case manager one of my clients extremely religious extremely loyal to Trump felt that every single thing is tinged as like a Republican versus Democrat thing And I really tried to approach him from sort of this like cognitive behavioral theory standpoint in that like you've got to take emotions and interpretations out of things and just look at the facts. And he's like, well, what are the facts in politics? Right. Which is, I mean, that's a really good question. What are the facts? You can point to things that people have said. You can point to actions. I think as soon as you make assumptions about beliefs or intentions um, or ideas, that's kind of when we get away from truth or not true fact. Right. And right. it becomes an interpretation of one person's truth versus another person's truth. For example, like as a woman of color, my truth, my reality is that Donald Trump is racist. There are people whose reality is that he's not, but that's because we're just experiencing. We have different perspectives. We come from different backgrounds. We experience the world in totally different ways. The facts don't point to racism or not. The facts point to actions he's taken, things that he said, stuff like that, you know? One thing, like the one thing that I think you missed there, and Mm -hmm. this is the point that Eddie Gloud Jr. makes. Um, He has a great book, um, Begin Again, about like telling of James Baldwin's life. It's like kind of biography oh. but it's it's more like analysis of his writing and of his life and and he was on like so the the way that I found out about him he, he's on MSNBC a lot but I would recommend going to the Ezra Klein show and uh, I think it's under Vox conversations now but his conversation with Ezra Klein was incredible I, I, I kept re-listening to it it was so influ- influential for me he says it does like beliefs are irrelevant. Look at the outcomes. Outcomes are everything. And so if a system or, 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 or like if 
So don't even think about this. Don't think about anything else. Just think about how, like the outcomes for people. So if if we see the same thing, and, and so we look at the outcomes and then we recognize, are there any patterns to those outcomes? And if that is the case, then can we change how that occurs? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, so focusing on the outcomes is critical. Yeah, I agree. But I think even when you look at outcomes, you have facts and then you have interpretation of those facts. Right. Which people right. might stand by as the truth or not the truth. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you take a look at redlining, for example, I think like, I want to be careful about how I say this because obviously I feel a certain way. Well, I think this is going but, to lead us really well into the, into my next thing. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I think when it comes to the history, the actions that were taken and the outcomes of redlining, the facts are the statistics you'd pull up, the numbers, you know, like the hard science. And I think the truth for me, the reality for me, is that it has made communities of color more vulnerable when it comes to building wealth in comparison to white people. But I feel like that's still a controversial statement as like plain as I see it, right. you know, as clear as right. day, this, it feels like fact to me. Right. But I think that there are realities out there where the, no, wealth comes from hard work. Wealth comes from pulling yourself up from your bootstraps. Right. Wealth doesn't come from, you know, the ability or inability to buy a house at a certain point in time. Right. Um, and so I, that's where the, out, the outcome is right. that, yes, communities of color have been less able to build wealth but i think how you how you connect those dots isn't necessarily like hard science fact it's an interpretation of data right so thank you so much for sharing that mm -hmm. i i think the way to bridge that reality with those outcomes is to establish before you get into that is establish some sort of ground so on on that outline that i sent you I have mm -hmm. a section of questions broken down into suffering, safety, and God. Mm -hmm. I think I might hold and off on the systems. God, but, uh, and then systems, yeah, until a little later. But I do think God is an accessible thing for white Catholics, you know, like, yeah. and because I, you know, I was raised that way, like I can, I can speak to it in a way that I think, you know, I received that education K through 12. So how do right. they, how do they feel? How, how confident do they feel about their teaching? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah. uh, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and so I, I do think that that is accessible. I think it, there, there's going to be some tact required to, to inject that. But I, I, I was thinking about questions you can ask in order to ground the conversation in agreed upon terms. So the, I'll, I'll give you an example here. Because I, I, I think with the redlining, you can start with, can we agree that this is the case? And if that is the case, so like, like bringing it into like a, if that is the case, then what do we do from there? Um, and the reason why I like these sort of town hall questions speaking to the people is because 
when you try to do that with fucking politicians, they won't like, they're like, well, I'm not going to deal with a hypothetical. It's like, we got to fucking talk. Do you understand like what this, yeah. like what a hypothetical means? So with, with suffering is like, like, and, and, and let me know if it sounds patronizing, but like, I, I, I think it's important to establish like common ground. So like, can we agree that there is suffering in the world? Curious. I'm curious about, do you know it when you see it? Can you identify suffering when you see it? If we know there is suffering and we can see it, do we have an obligation to eliminate it? How different would your life be if less and less people suffered? And then, so let me know where, if you think this is the right place for this question, but what is suffering? So, because we need to have an agreed upon, like that, like suffering is a word that I, I feel like I use a lot, but if, if the people I'm talking to don't have a similar definition, then they aren't hearing me or they're hearing something different. Yes. You know what I yes. mean? Yes, I 100% agree. I, I like this. I don't think it sounds patronizing as long as you like establish right, right. that these questions are Sincere. basic to, yeah. to establish a common vocabulary. Um, and establishing common vocabulary really like, is the right way to put that mm-hmm. is, the, is the right way to put that and so I would almost lean toward cutting out some of these questions and starting like is there suffering in the world because like people are gonna say yes right I, I, I don't I don't see someone saying no um what is it and right. have that start the right. dialogue because some of these I feel like can be leading. Like if we know there is suffering and we can see it, do we have an obligation to eliminate it? Someone can hear where you're going with that. Right. You know what it's I mean? too and, quick and not to everyone that. Yeah. agrees that we have an obligation. Right. Right. There are a lot of people out there who are like, your problem's your problem. My problem's my problem. Right. Right. What you're going through is none of my business. I'm just going to work right. on me. Right. Right. That is the, that is the, thing that we we end up at and the other thing that always like you you always see where it ends up at because what happens when these things get challenged is that there begins a lot of retreating um because awareness of cognitive dissonance is like right around the corner if you're not yeah. if you're not backing up and then eventually i i think this is common what happens it's it's either that's just the way it is or that's human nature or that's my opinion and and, and those things are stationary like you can't so like there there has to be there's going to have to be a way to talk about what we owe to each other and what is human nature that produces a dialogue and not see shutting that's down that's it's really tough some of those responses like, okay, that's just the way it is, or that's human nature, I have a really hard time with because humans are way too complex. Like, I, I don't really feel like there is necessarily a human nature. Um, I mean, there might be, but it doesn't apply to probably as many things as people use that for. Well, let me uh, just um, add this real it's quick. It's my opinion is something, though, that, like, I, I don't think you can really refute. You can't say, no, that's not your opinion. You right, know what I mean? right, right. Um, 100%. But I think, you know, if you go from like, is there suffering in the world? What is suffering? Start a dialogue. And then instead of like these questions, have it be even more open-ended. Like, what do you do when you see suffering? Right. 
right, right, right. right. So you get at people's like core values um, and appeal to those values versus like whether or not something they do is correct or incorrect or you know people are gonna like fight over that and that's not even really the right right we keep missing the point that's what like that's why i want to have this conversation so badly is because we're not even talking about the right things like we have to start talking about relevant shit we just but a way like that 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 helps uphold status quo is is getting distracted with shit that doesn't matter or that can just get tires spinning yeah and there's nothing you can do about that like Mm -hmm. uh, and so bringing the conversation to those grounds uh like those common grounds those relevant common grounds again is so vital yeah along the lines of human nature i think that even if there was uh, inherent human nature in all of us that would absolutely be shaped by at least the past 500 years you know like yeah you can't live within a colonialist imperialist white supremacist system institution world without that significantly affecting <laughs> how we function with one another, you know, like, right. and that is, that is human nature. <laughs> like, and so it, it, it could have taken a uh, human nature could, could really have taken an ugly turn. And maybe it is true that that is our, our current human nature. But then what is also true is that human nature can change or evolve yeah. or transform and also 100%. D- devolve too, possibly. And so I just wanted to add that about the uh, the human nature thing because i think that's just going to be one of the things that we we butt up against a lot in in trying to change or, or try to, trying to begin a conversation because people want to and that's why i think this this town hall kind of thing is a good idea because these are people who are coming to have a conversation when you try yeah. to engage with someone who like isn't ready then or like just like out of like kind of out of the blue people will be like, well, I just don't want to talk about this. Like, like, I, like that, that's, that's the ultimate one is I don't yeah. want to talk about this. I want to point out how we make everything political and then say, we can't talk about politics like anywhere. Like right. we make uh, climate, poverty, uh, racism, gun violence, all those things become political. And then you can't talk politics at work, at social gatherings, uh, at family holidays. It, it, it then becomes off limits to talk about any of that. So I see it almost like how you frame these questions and what you're talking about right now, it's kind of like this iceberg. Right. And oh politics my God. Oh are my like God. the tip of the iceberg. Oh my God. That's like the most um, superficial thing you can talk. It's like buzzwords and, you know, like right. other people's chewed up and spat out theories right. really what you're getting at with these conversations is philosophy right and they're very i mean they're they're late politics come from people's philosophies right right i i i view because also also along with this people view politics as a wholly distinct thing like mm-hmm. that it's completely like you can separate it if politics is like a person's worldview and 
how those worldviews get in, implemented into our systems. Like that's mm -hmm. what politics is. And it, it literally affects the air we breathe, you know, like, like, yeah. so it, it affects everything. Um, and I know this is like stated a lot, but the ability to opt out of politics is such a privilege or the ability to, to see it as something different and and to not feel a to not feel any pressure to to form any firmer opinion than the conventional wisdom that you've been told uh -huh. you know so these are the things these are going to be the toughest rhetorical things i think so that's like really interesting what you just said and it kind of made me think some things were brought up when you were talking about human nature. If people are really going to default to that, do these people also not believe in free will? Right, right. Um, I, and I, at what point do you blame something on human nature? Like what I cooked for breakfast, does that have to do with human nature? Or is that a choice I made? And at what point does like human nature, quote unquote, take over? Um, I'm so glad that you brought this up. I, I didn't think about this, but the I think the other default is god told me or god's because god said so and because god said so is such you know like how do you fucking get over that like then you like that's why i think god including god in this is so important because yeah. that's one of the things that they fall back on religiously <laughs> yeah that's and like there are so many ways to challenge that but as soon as you do people are immediately on the defensive oh my like, god like how how did god say that where did god say that i really have obviously problems with christianity but like like we said before the bible and like being raised learning the bible has formed so much of how i think and things i believe about the world and I just feel like you you hear so many different views on the Bible. It is written by God. No, it was written by people like so long ago who had a limited vocabulary in a different language, translated so many fucking times. Like these are not God's words. If right. if if there is a God, if you know, maybe maybe God inspired the original words that were written but the bible you have in front of you those words are not written by god but someone's belief is their belief and i i just feel like you can't say that to someone and have them listen to you you know uh, 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 god so <laughs> god where do i begin with this um <laughs> i have come back to god since i got sober to me God is everything. <laughs> when I say God, God is everything, past, present, and future. Um, God, like, I kind of have a theory, like, in my mind of like God being the force with, along with nothingness that combined to make the universe. Yes. Um, 100%. And I believe that. I feel like that's a very mystical way of looking at things. And I, I consider myself a mystic. Right. So yeah, I, 100%. I would agree with that. We are, we are within God. Exactly. Because of the, the, the single origin of, like, we share the beginning of the universe. We all start, like, like if we think about the universe as a, as a living, breathing thing, 
we are a part of that growth, <laughs> like, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. And so literally everything around us is, it is God. Yes. Um, and so that is where I am coming from. I, I think I learned a lot of that in AA and during my manic episode. So it might've been during mania that it really fucking happened, which is crazy. And, 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 it, and, that, and that hasn't gone away. My manic episode, I saw all sorts of signs. I was like, like God was speaking to me. God found me. Like I had a moment with God. <laughs> I had that moment. I was high in the shower one day. <laughs> like all of this came to me. But anyway, continue. I was I was hotboxing um, at in in my closet. I, I, I didn't know I was manic, but I was going fucking crazy. I was, oh. I was literally going crazy. And during this, um, so it was just this series of things. I was about to get really fucking paranoid. I used to get really paranoid anytime I smoked. I'm like, why do I keep smoking mm-hmm. if I feel this bad? And I was about to like, I was like, oh no, like I'm trapped in this closet. I'm about to have all these like dark thoughts. And I was like, just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like able to like stop myself and redirect myself from going down this path that I had gone down so many times before. And I, out of like pride, I was like, I like, I lifted my head up at that moment and was like, you know what, like good job. And during that moment, <laughs> yeah. uh, there was a song that like I really enjoyed and the lyric was like, lift your head up. And I was like, oh, God damn, like, what a great moment. Like, what a great coincidence. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Even if that was the only thing, like, that was a moment for me. And, like, I'm not going to try to make another moment out of it. Like, that that was great. And then this next song comes on, and it's a, it's called Clean Up. And the whole thing is about a dude who is, like, like, it was just paralleling my experience as an alcoholic and, like, the struggles that, like, I knew I should quit, but, like, I kept doing it over and over again. Um, and it was, like, this cathartic um, moment where I knew I was on the right track. I still carried a lot of guilt with me about my alcoholic past. And that's actually one thing that I think, especially in Delhi, where a lot of people know me, will be brought up. and. I, I I think now is the time to do this because I have gotten to a place where I've forgiven myself for the things that I've done. I've mm-hmm. accepted that they're immovable. These in these are things you know you can't just accept and then you're done. You got to keep working on it, but um, like you have to keep accepting. But mm-hmm. I, I hope to show because not not nothing that I've done in the past can disqualify me from this work and that's why mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean I, I want to keep re-emphasizing that and lead by example like no matter what I have done we like pursuing peace is is a noble thing <laughs> like yeah you that you can always join in on like you can always join in on and so like I start doing this like like I put my hand like prayer hands mm-hmm. and then I start doing this like movement and I'm just like in this, like this back and forth, this rocking, <laughs> this rocking, like back and forth. Okay. Okay. Um, and then it, like, so it, it starts to grow with this like rocking, like it, like it starts to evolve. 
And so then like the, the prayer hands go from the, the forehead down with the rock. And I start realizing like no one else will ever be able to experience, like no one could ever comprehend, no one could ever, ever comprehend what I was experiencing. And like, it, it felt like I started like wailing, you know what I mean? Like it was just, a, yeah. it was like this ritual of just like, I understand and I understand that I don't understand mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I know what I know but it's okay that like there are still mysteries and mm-hmm. <laughs> lead with love like all these things like yeah um and so then I start like I I, I stumble upon this podcast who's like it, Rob Rob Bell is it's called the Rob cast he was like this mega church guy um, preacher, pastor at a very young age, like kind of like a prodigy in this, in this area. And then like, he like quit it. Cause it was, you know, I, I, he, I think he saw the phoniness of, of how mega churches can be. And one of the, like, he has a series on Jesus. It's like an 11 part series or something. And what I learned is how, dangerous the Jesus story is and that is why it gets co-opted by a conservative status quo movement or an oppressor's movement because the story is so dangerous that you have to take it strip it of its uh subversion wait can you explain so the story of Jesus is one of an intersectional feminist, political subverter and dissenter, freedom fighter and liberator, like a great storyteller, led by example in a serious way. It built a movement based on love. Wait, uh, how's that dangerous? So dangerous to the status quo. Oh, it, oh, it, 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 okay. Yeah. And and so they 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 see it as dangerous, and so. Because because if the people read that and if that was what Jesus was, you know, you you would want to like if Jesus if you if you really felt Jesus's love, you know what I mean? Like all the things yeah. that they all the things you'll hear, then it would of course you would share all your resources and your money. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like we were talking about the other day, uh money is is it's breaking the first commandment. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we worship that more than anything. And that's another thing that if you say that, that, that gets, that gets a lot of pushback. So I was wailing as I was hot boxing and <laughs> found God, <laughs> learned about, I love it. learned about Jesus, found out I had bipolar, like as I was in my manic state, got medicated, kept on with therapy, <laughs> but kept God with me kept kept the idea that like and I, I I you know it's funny I was trying to like tell this to my family and even they were off put by the language of God and Jesus like they didn't like there's something about it because if they because the way they teach it results typically in one of two outcomes either you join in on this distorted stripped down version of Jesus that is really just a weapon and a shield for conservative beliefs 
or you get turned off by it and shudder at the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't like, and, and then like a lot of people don't come back to it. And that's so unfortunate. And so I think knowing God and kind of being able to speak to it a little bit more eloquently than I could before. And with people who are familiar with that language and who use that language, you know, my, my sisters, you know, like they, they exist on, 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 on the, that spectrum of like, we need to be fucking like, we need everyone to be okay. We need to put the policies in place, you know, like to, mm-hmm. you know, and so they are, extremely open-minded and even when they hear those words it's like fuck that you know what I mean like yeah you know um but with people who use that language it won't sound as harsh on the ears what's going to be harsh on the ears is the messages that I accompany with with it I think right right Uh, so yes that's that's when I found God can you speak to more of your experience of being high in the in the shower and finding God yeah. So, well, I, I feel like it was something that was kind of building over time. Um, yes. Yes. Because my mom is so fucking religious, like in the most crazy way, huh. you know. Huh. Um, and it's really a shame because she wants us to be close. Um, right. And I really try. But, right. you know, she says things like if you accept Jesus into your life, you won't have depression anymore. And just stuff oh, that it, it, wow. like it just doesn't wow. make sense. It so, ignores biology. It, it ignores. Right. <laughs> it we ignores talk about uh, well, that's everything. human nature. We don't talk about like the hu- like the physical human condition. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so I think there was always a part of me that like really tried for her. I mean, she she took me to this play uh, a couple years ago that was up in Columbus. Um, it was a touring show. And it was basically like these families or no, they were, they weren't even families They're like these vignettes um, of people at their moments of death and whether or not they accepted Jesus. And if they did, they would, (laughs) they would come to the pearly gates and there are these beautiful like streamers and like this music playing, there's angels and Jesus accepting them. And then if they didn't, (laughs) like this devil would come out of hell. (laughs) I can't even like explain it with a straight face. It's fucking terrifying. Were there kids like, there? Yeah, yeah. There were kids in the production and watching the oh show. Oh my god, so in this the production. for all ages. Um, and my mom, like at the end, you know, they're like, if anyone wants to come to Jesus at this time. <laughs> and my mom looks over at me like, please, I don't want what happens to you, like what happens in this play. <laughs> Oh, bless her. I mean, her intentions are really, I'm her baby, you know, and if this is really what she believes, right. then of course she wouldn't want that fate for her Oh child. my God. I'm like, um, just imagining that look to you after that question, just like the turning to you. <laughs> like you, you have no idea. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And so I, I was trying to go to church for a little bit and it's just like, I always had very firm beliefs based on what I read and understood in the Bible. Right. Um, and it never really seemed to connect with what I would hear in church. 
or I would be like on board and then something would happen. Someone would say something and I'm like, absolutely not count me out. I, I just can't understand if God and Jesus are love, how people can live in such a hateful way or say really hateful things. Um, and then have that be backed up by the same person who is encouraging the very opposite. And it, it just didn't make sense to me. It made my mind hurt. And so I was like, absolutely not. At the same time, I feel like I was, you know, through Sam getting into different like fantasy and science fiction things. <laughs> like for example, Star Wars, The Force. Right, um, right. I feel like that is pretty closely aligned. It's like everyone kind of knows a little piece of the truth and we're all converging on it. Um, and I feel like that epiphany was what I had when I was high in the shower. I was like, this is a beautiful moment. This water on my body is God. I was like staring at the drain. I was like, these droplets going in. This is God. Like I am within God. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Like. <laughs> yes. Almost like a, like a montage where someone is just like seeing like the beginning of the earth and like their whole entire timeline is right. everything that's going right. on. Like, well, because what you did sense. was exist in eternity right there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And you brought up so many things that like, like you've been, you've been leading <laughs> this so well. So tell me what you think about this. Oh, fuck, I got to write some of these down. So I, I, I think the point that you made about how, why you opted out because it made your brain hurt. One way that they get us is by getting you through that pain and discomfort to the other side where that cognitive dissonance has been smoothed in such a way that you can live your life. Yeah, it's almost like having that cognitive dissonance is a sin because it goes against the blind faith you're supposed to have that... <laughs> Right, you have when to ignore it's it. really your intuition telling you this blind faith is incorrect and here's why. And it benefits the status quo to get people to basically like learn uncritical thinking and anyone who is a critical thinker is likely to opt out. Mm-hmm. And not chat like like the way to challenge at things are from within, and that's kind of what I'm do, hoping to do with whiteness <laughs> is fight it from within. But if you had critical thinkers within a religious institution like Catholicism, it uh, it, it 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 would get challenged. Especially, I mean, just like the fucking child abuse alone. There's, I mean, there's a whole lot of shit with the Catholic Church, <laughs> uh, and and that's <laughs> sure that's why it's going to be like. I think there are a lot of parallels I'll be able to draw too, and knowing, you know, and, and just knowing, I think them knowing that I know will be, will be important. I was just listening to, her name is uh, Tara Bach, that God loves you unconditionally, no matter what. Mm -hmm. No matter, you can't do, you can't get God to love you more and you can't get God to love you less. Mm -hmm. That is in opposition to what you, the play you saw. And so I'm wondering how you think your mother would respond 
or receive a statement like that, that God loves you no matter what. You can't make God love you more. You can't make God love, it, love you less. I think um, if I presented this statement that way, she would agree. And then as soon as I start challenging where, where there are inconsistencies in her beliefs, I think she would start to flounder and almost kind of like hold both as true um, when we know you can't do that but she would justify it through somehow mystery of God or whatever she was taught, or I don't know. Cause she, she listens to some really funky things. Right. Um, oh my gosh. The, <laughs> I hate to rag off my mom. <laughs> it's just too funny not to. <laughs> um, Sam and I went up to visit her. Uh, we went to church with her and then hung out and we were talking about my pregnancy and, um, She's asking me if I talk to the baby. And I said, no, um, I sing sometimes, but you know, I explained to her that where I am in the pregnancy, I don't believe the baby's ears are, you know, well enough to develop. Like, I think that comes later in time yeah. when the baby can start recognizing your voice and stuff. And she said, she didn't think so. She said, babies know what mom is thinking and feeling even. Um, because they are within you. She said that a baby knows um, when a mother is going to get an abortion. And I said, oh, really? Where, what, what, what peer-reviewed science journal did you read that in? And then she kind of backtracked. She's like, oh, maybe someone was just saying that to kind of scare people into anti-abortion. I was like, you think? Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like things like that that come out of left field, but it's like <laughs> almost like your experience with that um, committee meeting, you, you can't talk like logic or sense right, to right, someone who doesn't right. believe in that. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Or oh my God. someone who's yeah. held onto their convictions so strong. Like, it's just like talking to a brick wall. You just can't do it. And, 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 um, that's and unfortunately I, that can be my mom at times. And that it's so powerful to teach that, that living with cognitive dissonance that like that operating with that and like, contentment with that is so important because you're then able when you're able to hold two opposing beliefs at once like you that's incredible for the status quo <laughs> you know like that's that's the goal that, that is the status quo <laughs> right 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 it is unfortunate um my mom has said some pretty homophobic things and that's, you know, one of the main areas that I really get turned off with Christianity because I feel like if Jesus were living in this time, like it's, it's, it's the, the misfits, the downtrodden, the people who get overlooked, those would be his best friends. And like the, the, Pharisees, you know, like the, the high people in the church who acted like they knew everything. Those were the people he was angry with. His, his beef was with them. And if people could realize like the modern roles we're playing um, and whose side would God actually be on? What does she say to that? 
oh, I, I dare not say something like that to her. <laughs> I, I, asking, I think it's fair. So this, I, I, I'm curious what you think of this then. So Rob Bell says, you're already at the party. So he cites the story of the, the water into wine party and how everyone's enjoying themselves but the Pharisees are there looking on and they are upset and they're not in the party or they, they haven't joined the party. They're just there to look and be, you know, upset at what they're seeing. And they don't realize that they are at the party. So there are a lot of people because like heaven mm. is like earth is heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so, yeah people don't realize that they're in heaven, (laughs) you know? Um, (laughs) And so it's basically just like opening their eyes to like, you're already here. You're at, you're at the party, like kick back and like, enjoy yourself. Like wait, like, and then, and then go in like, like remind people, (laughs) remind some people who aren't uh, aware that this is a party that you're already there. Right. And that that's really helped me where I like in in my moments of stress, I tried to to think about that because my view of the afterlife has also strengthened. I had this so line. So what is your view of the afterlife? I had this line that I would always say is the afterlife is for the living, where it's it's something that we do to make us feel better. You know, once you once you're gone, like you don't have an afterlife and it doesn't matter (laughs) so we've constructed this because it helps us now i think the only logical continuation of my belief in god and as i see god is that i'm going to continue with this because i'm still a part of the universe Uh and I, i don't know what shape it will take, but I don't believe our journey in the universe ends here, ends with this life. I think some of that, because I think a question you get is like, how could God allow all the suffering then? And I, that's off the point because I don't think, I don't think of God that way. Like, and that's why establishing terms is so important. Uh Do you know what I mean? like someone's perception of god we have to know that right we have to know that some people look at god as like a person playing the sims right we're just like telling these things where to go and what to do and when and we inflict pain or we help them right progress and suffering is suffering's the devil I, i I look at the suffering as more reason, <laughs> and this might be to soothe what like like pain from from seeing that suffering, and 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 knowing that it doesn't have to be that way. So I I also want to get into. I think I explained. Did I explain the four pains to you? <laughs> no. Wait. Did I? I didn't say this on our phone call. I don't um, think so. So my whole thing is we have a certain amount of suffering in life. Life brings with it a certain amount of suffering. 
However, there is it, most most of the suffering in the world is isn't inherent to the suffering of life. For lack of a better term, it's unnecessary suffering. Okay. So what we can do? That's very Buddhist. I, I did right. I, I that's so funny because I, I looked up. Or, or I just like, I, I think I came across like, I, I think there are four true, the four truths, maybe three. There's like a number, yeah. Right. <laughs> and one of them, it, it, and they talk about suffering. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, it, so I, I'm, I that, that, that's great that you said that. Cause I really align with that. Cause they, I mean, their, their thing is that it continues, you know, things continue. Um, because they're, they're trying to find the point of suffering. Like what, why, why do we suffer? Mm-hmm. And so my mindset is, okay, what do we do with the suffering? Where can we eliminate it? And there are so many places, both in our own life, in our day to day, we have agency over that and macro, mm-hmm. systemic and institutional. And that's why defining suffering is so important. And, and so my thing is the four pains, heartache, backache, natural, and accident. And so let me explain. Heartache is emotion. So like love and, and lo- like loss of love or like loss of a loved one, um, uh-huh. all of the, all the things that, that come with that. Uh, backache is physical, you know, biological, uh, where as you age, your back hurts type of, you know what I mean? Uh, like disease, all that, like, uh, natural is like earthquake or like the, the earth, uh, being part of your, like, like, like the, the, the death or the, the, the pain. Um, and then accident is just like, there are fucking like life has, accidents and things things can just happen that is a part of life what about people like born into extreme poverty and hunger is that backache so that that is a that's an excessive unnecessary suffering i i see i see okay so these are the ones that you can't control gotcha so right so these are the four pains of life right that where where we agree that when we exist there is a certain level of, of pain in existence. Um, and yes. okay, I see. that if we can understand and see, I, I basically identify when suffering occurs, was, was it a system that produced this? Or like, like I was thinking about like, if, imagine someone jogging and they trip and they break their leg. That is like, you know, accident. Uh, and that's that, a terrible fall. Like you're what, just jogging and then you break your leg. So I wanted to, <laughs> right. Really extreme. I wanted to, I wanted to do yes. it in a, like in enough. So maybe, you know, maybe sprain your ankle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fall, fall so hard. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you shatter some really you, you shatter some like ribs you dislocate your shoulder <laughs> <laughs> your pelvis is cracked oh my you God. went on a jog and you tripped and 
Um, so you go on a jog, you, 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 you sprain your ankle and part of that, like, like that could be an accident, right? Or you're jogging and your knee goes out and you, 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 you collapse in that way or someone pushes you over. Mm -hmm. And so these, or your neighborhood is so poor that they can't afford to like properly pave sidewalks. Right. (laughs) That's so funny. I was going through, so I was like trying to piece this together. And then I was like, I, I, I was like, okay. So to, to avoid the pavement thing. Cause I was like, am I going too far with this? I was like, the person is in an open field. <laughs> and then I'm like, but what about colonialism and land? That you <laughs> and so I couldn't get any, I, I was like, yeah. maybe just try to, <laughs> it's so funny. They're on an indoor track. <laughs> right. <laughs> but how is that funded? And is yeah, that right. a better oh neighborhood? <laughs> But this is the point. What we're doing right now is the point of this um, because you start asking questions like, why did that person push you? (laughs) And it's not because they're a bad person. There there was a reason behind that, whether it is uh, they didn't like, like it was a vendetta or a mental illness where like, like, and and that can manifest in all sorts of ways. When we say mental illness, we think, crazy person and then we like when we say crazy person we think of what we think a crazy person is right right and and so we do so many leaps so quickly Uh I, i guess to to we do so many quick we take such a quick route to what we believed prior to this new information coming to us so identifying where if those pains um, are a part of life or if it is unnecessary and if it is unnecessary, um, like, like figuring out why, why that pain happened or why that pain occurred, digging into it, being like, we have to approach this with curiosity and inquisitiveness. And so you dig in and you see if, if, if there was an outcome that produced suffering from a system that we created, <laughs> that means that it's not inherent to life. Being houseless and that's not inherent that like we, we have the resources. <laughs> right. The reason that it happens is because of capitalism and that's something that we created. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a decision. Like when you see someone who, who is on the street and doesn't have a place to sleep indoors at night, uh, doesn't have a place to go to be, to, to be, to reset, yeah. <laughs> to, to live as we, as we, we live indoors at our DOS, like uh, at our domicile more than we do anything else. Maybe work mm-hmm. is the other thing, you know, like that's a choice that we make. I, I, I think that a lot of people, will, a lot of white people will look at that and be like, if we could do something about that, we would have. <laughs> and so that means that there's nothing we can do about it. That means because, because we would have done something about it, that means it's too complicated to figure out. And therefore I shouldn't feel bad about it because it's a part of life. 
And so we need to, so I keep thinking about connecting the dots. We need to reconnect dots. There, yeah. are, there are dots connected in their mind, but they, <laughs> they need to be reconnected to something else, you know? Right, right. 